You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. What's up, Dub Nation? It is Brady Clopper here with the Golden State of Mind podcast. And I'm very excited to be recapping game two for you because it's a lot more fun than recapping game one was. The bar was admittedly incredibly low after game one, but the Warriors exceeded it pretty comfortably. But the funny thing about game two is that it was very similar to game one for the first three quarters. And what did the Warriors end in game one? A truly horrendous, borderline unprecedented fourth quarter finals collapse was absent in game four and part of that was simply that they played a lot better part of it was that they had a bigger lead and boston you know had had less of a chance and and less fight in them and part of it was just better luck that boston didn't catch ridiculous fire the way they did uh in the fourth quarter of game one and and so the warriors ended up with a a very comfortable win 107 to 88 um, not only did it give them confidence, I'm sure, going into Game 3, heading back to Boston, that, that they're the better team in this series, uh, but it also allowed them to stay fresh. Steph Curry didn't play the fourth quarter. Klay uh, Thompson played a bit of it just to kind of try and shake some rust off. There's a lot of life in those legs, I think, right now, because Curry only played 32 minutes, Clay only played 30 minutes, Jordan Poole only played 23 minutes, Andrew Wiggins 31 minutes, Kevon Looney 21 minutes. And yes, the Celtics players also played limited minutes for the same reason, but um, they're younger. You know, there's there's no way around that. The Celtics players are younger. Uh, they should be able to play heavy minutes a little bit more gracefully than the Warriors. I think being able to rest starters is pretty clearly something that benefits the Warriors more than it benefits the Celtics. So, you know, that combined with the two days to travel, Game 3 is going to be on Wednesday night. Uh, I think the Warriors have to really like where they are, despite the very disappointing Game 1 loss. I think they're headed to Boston energized, uh, decently well-rested, and feeling like they're the better team, because frankly through seven quarters of this series they have been the better basketball team and there was one quarter where they were not the better basketball team and Boston was so much the better basketball team in that quarter that that even the series but truthfully I think that the Warriors have looked like the better team over two games um, and maybe that's because they had home court advantage we'll see if they still look like the better team once they're on that parquet floor over there in Massachusetts but I think that they have to like where they are. Um, so this game started, you know, somewhat similarly to Game 1. It didn't have the Steph Curry explosion that Game 1 had, but it still had uh, the Warriors doing some really good things, the Celtics doing some really good things, and it resulted in a small lead. I think it was a two-point lead after the first quarter in Game 1. It was a one-point lead after the first quarter in Game 2. Uh, the big difference was that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were both having phenomenal first quarters. Um, they were they were shaking off some 
some of the struggles that they had in game one, and they just looked like they were ready to to dominate. Um, but the Warriors, their defense was outstanding. Uh, Tatum and Brown just made some really tough shots. Credit to them, but I think the Warriors were forcing them into the looks that they wanted, and they were playing the long game, and eventually that long game paid off for them because despite those hot starts, Tatum shot 8 for 19 from the field, though he shot 6 for 9 from 3, so it was a very efficient 28 points that he had, um, but he definitely cooled off down the stretch. Uh, Jalen Brown cooled off in a big way. He shot just 5 for 17, 17 points on 17 shots. Um, very good defense on him. And the Warriors just brought a lot of intensity, especially on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, they were really moving the ball. They were really trusting the system a little bit better. Uh, and it was getting a lot of good looks, even though Clay Thompson had another very, very cold night. He shot just 4 for 19 from the field. Um, yet despite that, the offense was, was finding a, a bit of flow and function in the first quarter. Second quarter, not so much, um, which shouldn't be surprising. Steph Curry sat for a few minutes, as he does. Clay Thompson was cold. There's not a lot going on there. Um, but they got a lot of other contributions that kept them in the game, and and that combined with their defense led to them having a two-point lead at halftime. Um, Steve Kerr, he he went deep into the bench in this game. He, you know, we didn't see Gary Payton the second in game one. It turns out he wasn't quite ready, but he was ready in this game, and and he had more minutes than anyone else off the bench, including Jordan Poole. He played 25 minutes in this game. Um, the Warriors outscored the Celtics by 15 points in those minutes. And it was really what you come to expect from GP2. He, he was getting out in transition. He was cutting to the basket. He was making open threes um, on offense and on defense. You know, I don't need to tell you what he did there. But what I really did like was, you know, as, I, as I've written about and talked about in podcasts before, GP2 does a very good job defending larger players and he really annoys them by not just being such a good on-ball defender but by I think coming at them from angles that they're not used to because they're used to being guarded by a different defender and you know the Warriors didn't put him on larger players all that much but they put him on Jason Tatum for a few possessions and he did a really good job um, and he really just kind of disrupted things for Tatum a little bit, and it was just a great performance by him. But not only did Steve Kerr turn to Gary Payton the second early on in this one, he also turned to Nemanja Bialica early on in this game. And let me tell you something fun. Bialica played his butt off. Um, you know, I thought that Steve Kerr would turn to Belly at some point in this series, it just seemed like the kind of guy that Steve Kerr likes to kind of break out when the team needs a little bit of a push. I thought that he would turn to him in the minutes when Tatum was sitting or when there was a more natural matchup with a guy like Al Horford. Maybe even, you know, if Daniel Tice were in the game or something like that. But Steve Kerr put Bielitsa in when Jason Tatum was on the court. They got matched up a few times. The Celtics were obviously hunting that matchup. And Bielitsa got the better of him repeatedly. Multiple possessions where he either forced the ball out of Tatum's hands, forced Tatum, Tatum into a difficult shot. Um, there were a few times where he stripped him, um, got credited with one steal, didn't get credit with, credited with a block, but he had a few possessions where he really altered shots, um, grabbed five rebounds in 11 minutes, and then shot three, of four, three for four from the field as well. 
he ended up with the worst plus minus on the team, but that was really just because he was also on the court a lot in the second quarter during the time when Curry was sitting and, and the rest of the offense was just not able to find anything. Um, but Bielitsa played really good minutes, and it was it was fun to see, truthfully. Um, but it was still a very tense time, halftime, um, for the Warriors, or for at least their fans, because this really was close to a must-win game. You know, you think about going down 2-0 with those two games being at home, and now you have to go on the road. You have to win four out of five games, and three of those five games are on the road. It's not impossible, but it sure makes game two about as close to a must-win as, as you're going to get. And the Warriors only led by two points at halftime. and I, I think everyone was pretty stressed out. And then the third quarter came, and those glorious, beloved third-quarter Warriors showed up, as they so often do, um, and just exploded. Uh, Boston scored the first two points of the half to tie the game, and then the Warriors went on a 7-0 run, forcing Ime Udoka to call a timeout. Uh, they kept their foot on the gas, kept their foot on the gas, had a, a 10-0 run, I believe, near the end of the half. Might have even been bigger than that. And then it all culminated in some amazing theatrics. Uh, they were up 17, and even with the knowledge of what happened in Game 1, you could feel the confidence and the comfort level starting to appear for the fan base um, as they're up 17 with like 40 seconds left and, and they bring the ball up the court and Jordan Poole going for a two for one shoots a very deep three and makes it to make it a 20 point game. They get a stop on the other end of the court, try to rush it up to get another shot. Poole ends up shooting from just inside half court, makes another one. And just like that, it's a 23-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, and you could tell the game was was mostly over there. The, the Celtics didn't really wave the white flag till you know, maybe halfway through the quarter or so, and they still had a, a few key players on the court then. But you could tell really the start of the fourth quarter that both teams knew that the outcome of this game was over and they were looking to game three. Uh, the Warriors pushed the lead up to 29 pretty quickly. And at that point, it was all kind of academic. But I, I couldn't help but find it funny that the Warriors took a 23-point lead into the fourth quarter because the whole time that they're building this big lead in the third quarter, in the back of your mind, you're remembering how they built a nice lead in the third quarter of game one, only to not only give up that lead in the fourth quarter, but to have it turn into a double-digit loss. You enter the fourth quarter with a double-digit lead, end the game with a double-digit loss. Truly awful. And that's in the back of your mind in the third quarter as the Warriors you know, push the lead to 5, push it to 9, push it to 15, and, and they're slowly building it up and whatnot. So I found it kind of funny that they ended up leading the... Uh, ending the third quarter up 23 points because even though 23 points felt like, yeah, you're going to win this game, don't worry about it, they got outscored by 24 points in game one in the fourth quarter. So it felt like a pretty funny margin to be leading by, um, knowing that, oh, if, if the fourth quarter repeats itself, which it thankfully did not, um, then this is going to be an even more backbreaking victory. Uh, but it did not. Um, there were no miracle three-point 
performances from Al Horford, who didn't even attempt a three. Marcus Smart, who shot 0 for 3. Derek White shot 2 for 4, so, you know, a little bit of credit there. But he only shot 4 for 13 from the field, 12 points on 13 shots. Certainly not a good scoring night for him. Overall, <laughs> the Celtics still did well shooting threes. They made 15 out of 37 shots from three-point range, which, interestingly, is exactly what the Warriors did. Both teams shot 15 for 37. That's 40.5%. So good three-point shooting nights for both teams, despite Clay Thompson shooting one for eight and those people I just mentioned for Boston not having great nights. But where the Warriors really stood out was when they weren't seeding threes, they really, really, really were not letting Boston get good shots. So Boston shot 15 for 37 from beyond the arc. From inside the arc, they also made just they also made 15 shots, but they needed 43 attempts to get there. 15 for 43 on twos. Um, the Warriors had 15 steals in this game, which is just an obscene amount. Um, and they came from everyone. Otto Porter Jr. had three. Jordan Poole had two. Kevon Looney and Steph Curry had three. Clay Thompson had two. They were just a swarming defense. They held Boston to 20 second quarter points, 14 third quarter points, 24 fourth quarter points. After that initial flurry by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the first quarter, it was over for Boston. Um, that's just 58 points in the final three quarters. Just a, a dominant defensive display by the Warriors. Um, and really everyone stepped up. GP2 was great. Steph Curry had a tremendous defensive game. He had a few possessions where he where he stopped Al Horford when he got switched on him. Um, Horford, who had a very bad game, which which was really key. The, the Warriors just dominated the, the Celtics' big men. Al Horford and Robert Williams III combined for four points. They took just five shots. They had four fouls, two turnovers. Horford was minus 15. Williams was minus six. The Celtics got them off the court, frankly, because they were playing so poorly. They went to Grant Williams a lot, who was a bit better, but not good either. Um, and so the Warriors kind of forced the Celtics into a smaller game, and that plays into the Warriors' hands. And they're definitely going to be trying to do that in Boston. So when the dust settled, it was a 107-88 victory for the Warriors. That's a 19-point win, and truthfully, it felt bigger than that, even though it was a very close game for the first half. Um, but it was all dubs in the second half. Um, it would have been, you know... a a larger victory, 25-27, something like that, had it not been garbage time and, you know, turning things over to the subs and whatnot, who who did a little, little bit of of cleaning up for Boston. But still, 107-88 ties the series one game to one game. It's a five-game series from here on out, though the Celtics now have home court advantage. And game three will be Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time, on ABC and watch ESPN as all of the games are for the finals. We'll be back to cover that one. We'll have a lot of great content on the site between now and then, so check it out at goldenstateofmind.com. Thanks for listening, everyone.